Well, good morning. How's everybody this morning? Good. I'm good. All right. If you're in Kidman, I'm going to let you head on out. If you are a guest and you have a second through fifth grader, uh, we have an environment that they can go to for their own time of small groups and some games and teaching. And uh, if you'd like to see where they're going, you are more than welcome to go with them. Um, but they will be back there for you to pick up after. We're so glad to have you. Uh, is everybody warm? Yeah. Only a couple of you. Uh, if you're in, in our house, we, we bought new heaters this week because we wasn't enough. Uh, so I know it's cold out there. We're, we're glad that you're here and with us. Um, before we get started, I just wanted to, again, thank you for all that you guys have done for our Christmas giving project. Uh, I shared last week an email we had received from one of the families that we were able to help. This week, we got a Christmas card. Um, you helped provide a fresh start for um, a young lady graduating room in the end. Um, so also, if you brought stuff for the room in the end meal, um, thank you for doing that. But I wanted to read you the card. She sent a very nice card. And it just said this. It said, I wanted to take the time to say how grateful and thankful I am for my gifts. Um, at first, I wasn't going to ask for anything, maybe because I didn't think I deserved it. I finally realized that if you took the time to sponsor me, I should be appreciative. I am beyond grateful. I felt special and loved. Even though you haven't met me, words can express how thankful I am. I felt so many emotions opening my gifts. I was shocked, surprised, and overjoyed. Not because money was spent, but because you took the time to think about me. I continue to be amazed by the outpouring of love you showed me. I just wanted you to know how thankful I am for your caring heart. I intend to pay this act of kindness forward one day. Thank you so much for sponsoring me and my journey to self-sufficiency. Best wishes. So I just wanted to share that with you, and we don't always recognize how our gifts to others can affect them, or the, how the opportunity we have to be involved in someone's life, especially when they're struggling, and uh, I just, I think it's so wonderful that we've gotten these cards and emails. I, I just want to say again, thank you for your willingness to give and to support, and I would encourage you um, to look for other ways to do that beyond what we do around Christmas or other times of the year. It's just a wonderful thing to be a part of. And I just wanted to share that with you. Um, we've been talking about burning out. Now, I know that in this series, some of you are coming uh, with no previous experience of what it means to be burned out. I don't know who you are or how you've achieved that. But I recognize there's probably at least one. Maybe there's a baby in here. I don't know. There's at least one who has not experienced burnout in their life. And what we know is that God intended and built all of this and created us. He intended for us to burn brightly, not burn out. But for a lot of us, we struggle with that. And I, and I started the series with just a very basic question. And it is simply this. Are you going to burn out in this coming year? If we were to fast forward to New Year's Day 2017... And you look back on all that you're looking forward to now. Will it be a year that has pushed you forward? Or will it be a year that you are more burned out than you already are? God never intended his people to burn out because he recognized that one of the greatest witnesses we have to the world is our ability to shine bright. 
But one of the biggest mistakes we make in attempting to burn brightly is that the belief that we can do it on our own without the one who created the flame in the first place. And often when we get to that place where we're ready to give up, rather than looking forward to the next day, rather than being excited about the things that are ahead, we begin to approach life with dread and disappointment, sometimes discouragement, even in depression. Matthew 5 14 through 16 have really been kind of our key verses this series. It says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. My hope is, is that throughout this time together, we can explore our lives, we can explore some of our motives, our priorities, some of our hopes and dreams to determine, are we moving in a direction that leads to burning brighter? Are we moving in a direction that leads to being snuffed out? None of us wants to do that. Nobody wants to live that life, but many of us feel powerless to change it. Last week, we talked about what I believe is one of the crucial aspects missing, especially in this time in our society and in our culture. And it is the idea that God is blessing you, and when he does that, that means you won't have to work. Somehow, God is going to just pour down his grace, and then I'm just going to sit and, and, and have fun. Recreation is my goal. Comfort is what I'm searching for. And somehow, if I can just really get close enough to God, he will make sure that happens. And some of us even kind of came into this idea of faith by somebody saying, if you will just ask Jesus to be your savior, all your problems will go away. All your heartaches will cease and you will be able to live life with complete joy and happiness without worry or fear. But it doesn't take long for us to realize that if we bought that, that it doesn't pan out. And if you're a student of Scripture, it doesn't take long to read through some of the hardships of those closest to Jesus to recognize, you know, there's really no place anywhere in Scripture that says that is what's going to happen if we follow him. Instead, what we find over and over is Scripture telling us, I want you to work. I want you to be a part of something. I want you to contribute to the benefit of others. What I shared last week was that work activates your faith. It helps to fulfill God's design for your life. God's design is not that we don't have to put in effort into this world in which we live. But instead, he has put us here from the very beginning to say, you are here with a purpose and a role to play. James tells us that if you want to see my faith, it will be evident in the work that I do. Now, I know that for those of you in the room... There's really not many of you that, that have to worry about trying to become busier. The average American works 47 hours a week more than any other citizen of any other developed industrial nation in the world. Most of you in the room would love to work 40 hours a week, and sometimes that's a vacation week for you. I mean, if I can just work for 40, I'm good. I'm happy with that. Some of you are into 50, 60, 70 hours a week. And then those of you who have young children are into 80, 90, 150 hours a week, right? 
So most of us don't have to come to the place of saying, you know what, God, I, I need to repent for not doing enough. Most of us don't have to go there. It's not a matter that we've not done enough. The question we're going to talk about today is, are we spending our time in the right places? Because my guess is that very few of you have a lot of free time on your hands, while some may, very few will. God designed you to be active in his work. Have you ever had a time where you saw something you wanted to be a part of, but it just wouldn't fit in the schedule? I just don't have time. I really want to do that, but I just don't have time to spend on it. I'd say a lot of us probably struggle with that. Some of us struggle with the idea that God actually wants us to be active in his work. Because we all know somebody who's better at just about everything than us. They're better at talking to people. They're better at explaining things. They're better at communicating. They're better at smiling. They're better at everything. I mean, when they sit in a booth and open their menu, I'm jealous of them the way they open their menu. I wish I could open my menu like that. They just look so rested and cool And when they do that. You realize that God has called you to work with him. Now, what I know from our community is that many of you are, are somewhat introverted. And so a good day for you is a day that you get to spend it at home alone. And yesterday, Deidre, by the way, we did survive this week. Deidre is home. The kids did make it all the way until she, she got here. And uh, several of you asked if you could help us. And I really appreciate that. We did make it. Kids ate. And they, got to, they actually did go to school. I did make it to get them to school this week. But thank you for all of your concern. And I forgot where I was going with that. You're busy. I'm busy. Oh, here's where I was going with that. God is active. He wants you to be active in his work. And while many of you struggle with wanting to be, oh, here's where I was going with it. Now I remember. So it's been, it's been a long week. Deidre hadn't been here all week long. I'm not hardly here myself. Got our thoughts. Take a moment. Thanks, Aaron. So yesterday, we started talking about what we could do, and I'm laying in the bed literally saying, Deidre, I just, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to spend my time. I don't want to get out and do anything. Can you just go get dinner and bring it to me in bed? I literally said that, and she literally said no, but I did ask. And, uh, but I want you to know that when God invites you into work, he didn't invite you because you are able to accomplish his purposes based on your own skills, talents, and personalities. He gave you your skills, your talents, and your personalities, and yet he has continued to invite you into his work. You and I all know somebody who's better at everything we do than us. There's always going to be somebody who can do the same job faster better and with less effort there's always going to be somebody whose kids just behave better and accomplish more than your kids there's always going to be somebody that if they get called on to answer a bible question they're going to be able to go through this huge array of information you didn't even know existed there's always going to be somebody and the problem is that we begin to believe that god cannot use us those are the people god uses but god has invited you into his work So if you're introverted, God has built that into you. Your talents and skills, God has built that into you. God's purpose for your life, he has a design for all of that built into you. You are invited to work with him. 
Now, for some of us, we get frustrated in our faith because I'm trying to work and I'm trying to spend the time and I'm going to church and I'm doing the things that you tell me I'm supposed to do, but I just don't feel like God is working with me. Have you ever felt like that? Is it possible? Is it possible that God is not acting because you have not yet fulfilled your part? The reason we talked about work before what we're going to talk about today is because many of us begin the conversation with faith, rightly so, but we let the conversation end with faith. I'm going to sit here and pray and ask God to do this for me. And yet over and over and over again, God has said, I have gifted you with the ability to be a part of my work with me. And there are times that you can work your hardest, you can work your best, you can do a stellar job, and it just doesn't feel like enough. And there are times that God is ready to work, but he's waiting to see if we are. It's one of the hard things in life to figure out, have I, have I done enough, or, or am I good enough? And often those questions are the wrong questions. What I want to share with you today is what happens when we are active and we are working and we are working ourselves to death, but it just doesn't feel like it's working at all. It's not happening. God's not active. For some of you in this room, what I'm going to share with you that today and next week is going to go against everything that your life stands for. Maybe not what you idealistically believe in, but it's the life that you live, what it stands for. Because I'm going to suggest that there is a place that we have to let the control of things happening go out of our hands into the hands of someone else. There are times that we can certainly work harder and make something happen. But then there are times that no matter how hard we try to do that, that we can't. I'm so thankful that many of you have given your lives to contributing to others when I... Talk about work. I'm not talking about where you get a paycheck or punching a clock. I'm talking about the willingness to give of your resources to contribute to someone else. That is work. So sometimes our work gets a paycheck. Sometimes our work does not get a paycheck. I look around kind of the room and the things that we do. It just amazes me how many of you regularly sacrifice and give of yourself to make this happen every week. You're doing incredible, wonderful things and your jobs, and then you come here and you give of what little amount of time you still have, you serve here. Last week we were talking a few of us after, and I'm going to embarrass a few people today. I could embarrass all of you if I had enough time, but we were talking after, and I noticed Donna was quietly going around emptying all the trash cans. Nobody asked her to do that, but she just willingly served. Now, some of you don't know, Donna pretty much runs Erlanger Hospital. She may disagree with that assessment, and her boss may as well, but we, we know the way things work is that's pretty much how it works over there. And that spends her time doing that. As we look up on the stage and we look at some of our musicians that are serving today, we've got people that are so active in their jobs and have full-time things happening in their lives, and yet they're here serving, giving of themselves. I think, Kurt, is Kurt in here? Now, he got off the stage from playing, and now he's in Kidmo, leading Kidmo. I mean, that's, he doesn't have to do that. Well, he kind of does. He's on the schedule. But he, doesn't, he didn't have to agree to do it on the schedule, right? But willing 
to give of himself. Gene, who welcomes us every Sunday morning with a hug and a smile and a, a God bless you, owns her own business out of her home and is busy working there and yet comes and shares her life with so much of us. Child care workers are not child care workers here. They're people who intentionally invest in the lives of children. And some of them come home or come here after getting their kids ready, getting them all ready and fighting in to get in the car and fighting to get over here and then getting them into their room and then going to serve somewhere else. Now, it's incredible the amount of work that goes on here. We're really appreciative for all the time that is invested and the time that is spent. See, the problem for many of us is not that we're not willing. The problem is that we are investing time where we should be doing something else. I want to suggest that it's very possible that some of the burnout that you may be experiencing is because you were trying to do it all alone and not with the help of the one who created the flame in you in the first place. For me, I'm terrible at this. I see something that needs to be done. I'm going to make it happen. Anybody else? I'm going to make this happen. I may kill myself. I may kill a few of you as well. But I'm going to make it happen. And I can't tell you how many times that I've come to the end of something that I've invested a huge amount of time in. And I've just asked myself, was it worth it? (laughs) Did it matter? Some of the things that we want to avoid is anything that's going to require something of sacrifice for us, from us. We really don't want to sacrifice or give up or hurt. We don't want to feel uncomfortable, and that's natural. That's built into us. It's natural place to comfort. One of the reasons that we love to read about heaven is because that is the ultimate fulfillment of this inner desire in us to just rest in God. And so we look for places to do that in this world as well. But unfortunately, until that time where we're with God in heaven, that is not the life you and I are called to. It's a life we hope for that one day we will get to. But yet also we are not called to a life of endless work without purpose. We're not called to a life where you're not a good Christian unless you're fully burned out. And often in the church, sometimes we communicate that. Is it possible that God is not acting because you haven't fulfilled your part? Is it possible that God is not acting because we're working in the wrong places? You have three primary choices I shared with you last week. You can stay the same. You can change things that don't matter, or you can change things that do. You have a part to play in all of this. But if you want to burn brightly, you have to recognize that you cannot fulfill God's part for him. One of the hardest things to ask a person who is driven to do in life is to wait and be patient. One of the hardest things for some of you to do when someone says, if you'll just, just be patient, that is like fingernails on a chalkboard. I don't want to be patient. I want to do something. I can't just stand here. I've got to go do something. And yet in that endless drive that we have to do something, what we often miss is the supernatural touch of the one who designed something better for us. Because we want to do something. And sometimes God says, I just want you to stop and be with me and let me do something. There is a tangible difference in our work when we know that God is active with us. Isn't there? 
And we can experience that. It's kind of like an X factor, right? There are different places in life where there's just something different. We, we can feel it, but we can't necessarily describe it. Maybe you go on a date with someone who you're very attracted to, and, and you just seem like they're the perfect fit, but there's just, there's just something not there. Have you ever experienced that? It's just not there, and you move on to somebody else. Or maybe you've got a job, and everything looks good on paper, and, and the benefits are good, and the pay is good, and the job looks like something you would want to do, but then you get in there, and you're just not fitting in. It's just something doesn't feel right about it. Maybe you attend a church, and it has all the components you're looking for, but yet it doesn't feel like it's the right thing. There's often parts of places in our lives where there's something missing that we feel it, but we can't tangibly describe it or, 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 or touch it or, or know exactly what it is. We also know when the opposite is true. Maybe you're playing a game, you're an athlete, and there's just something about today, everything clicked. I mean, I just felt on fire today, and there was just something different. If you're leading an organization and you're responsible for other leaders who are a part of that organization, then maybe there are some people that you interview and on paper they look great, but there's just something missing. But yet someone comes in and doesn't have all the letters beside their name, but they've got something about them that there's just something that they go beyond others. There's just, it's just different. Many times on the things that we are trying and attempting to do for God, we are trying and attempting to do on our own. And instead of leading to a place where God fulfills and God works and God reinvigorates us, we go to burnout because we are spending time in places where God is not there. As church leaders, we often struggle with things like this. Let's do this sounds like a good idea, but then it wasn't a good idea. One of the most memorable bad ideas we ever had, if you've been with us for a while, was a snow machine one Sunday morning. Does anybody remember that? It was the most embarrassing moment of my collective church life. We were, well, that wasn't as embarrassing as a snow machine. We've had many. Okay, thanks. We've had many of those kinds of things. But there are times that this is a great idea. We totally have to do this. And we plow ahead and we never stop to see if God was in it. And it was a bad idea. And we were busy and we spent a lot of time on it. And in the end, we wish we hadn't. Remember some of our key verses for this series, Proverbs 3, 5, and I'm going to read 6 today with you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you the path to take. For some of us in the room, it's not about working more. For some of us in the room, it's working in the right places. It's working in the right places. For others, and I know we have a lot of driven people in here, professionals. I don't know if you know this, but some of our our good friends, Bruce and Kathleen, that are in here pretty much keep Chattanooga from blowing up from a nuclear disaster. Yeah, thank you. Now, now Bruce, he's already not happy that I said it that way because they... uh, know that that's not the way it works, but some of you have great jobs that you do here. Some of you are so highly driven that if you weren't on the job, some of us may be in trouble. But I want to ask you, are you at a point in your life that you could stop 
and you could wait on a word from God to change the direction that you're in. Could you stop and just be still and let God speak to you in a way that would change where you're headed? Now, for some of us, the answer is, yeah, I could stop. I mean, I'm not doing anything now. I'm kind of bored, you know. But for most of us, the answer is no. I can't stop. How how would I stop? If I don't go do my job, which takes up so much of my time, then I'm not going to get paid. And if I don't get paid, I can't pay my bills. And if I can't pay my bills, I'm out on the street. And no, I can't stop. For others that have kids that are active in their activities and things at school and after school and sports or, or whatever else they're a part of, how do we stop? How do we just stop and be still? And yet that may be the very thing that's keeping you from experience, experiencing a reinvigorating of your life and your faith with Him. Burnout is often the result when we work so hard for a goal that God never wanted us to achieve. God, I want this, but he doesn't want it for us. When we lean on our own understanding, when we want to follow our own path, those are the times that we get in so much trouble. We forget that God is the one who has created. God is the one who has a plan. God is the one who is the master designer. God is the one who has something planned for us as individuals. An inescapable truth is this, that you have a part to play, but you can't fulfill the role that only God can play. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28, starting at verse 28, says, Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Already I know that this, as some of you, you this, this creates hunger in you. You recognize I am that person. I do not feel strong. I have no might. I just feel tired and depressed. I feel like my life has no purpose or meaning. I feel like that I'm just going to keep punching the clock. And when New Year's 2017 gets here, I'm going to look back. And 2016 was just like every other year of my life. And I'm no closer to finding the place of happiness and wholeness than I was when we started. He does not grow faint or weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Unsearchable. Wouldn't it be great if we had a database of God's wisdom that we could search? I don't know what to do. I'll just look up on, you know, God search. We don't have that. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's what I want. See, the kind of life that God intends for his followers when they're going to burn brightly is the kind of life 
who are willing to invest in the lives of others. I joke with some other pastor friends of mine. I say, you know, I have my retirement plan. My retirement plan is a tiki bar on a deserted island. And unfortunately, the number of partners I have accrued for this endeavor has now overreached the capacity of a deserted island. My guess is if I open it up to people in the room, some of you would want to sign up too. Sometimes it's great for us to escape and be alone. Sometimes it's great for us to just kind of do our own thing and not worry about others. It's great for me just to kind of back off of everything else and say, I want to take care of me and my interests and and what I want to do with my time. It's great to do that. But if we are going to be salt in a world, we can't stay in the shaker. If we're going to be light in the world, we can't put a basket over it. Instead, we have to be in and among the world. And that is going to require sacrifice from you. It's something that Jesus has required of all those who have followed him, even from the first 12. He required them to sacrifice. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. It means that we can no longer continue to focus just on our self-interest. A Christian cannot focus on their own self-interest. You understand the world, the, the culture in which we live is such an immature society right now because it is so focused on their own self-interests. And their own self-interest is all about taking care of themselves. That's why right now there's a sweeping move both in politics and just in culture, to let anybody do anything they want. Don't say no to anybody. Just If they want to do it, give them the freedom because they themselves want the ability to pursue 100% of the time their own self-interests. Even this nation was not built on the principles of pursuing just our own personal self-interest because it never would have made it if families didn't bond together, communities didn't come together, if people didn't say we have to care for each other. And yet you and I live in a world in which self-interest is the only dominating thought on the minds of most people who are drawing breath. Yet God has said, your interests must be the interests of others as well. Your interests are going to require you to give up time that you could spend on yourself. Your interests are going to grow when you begin to understand what God wants to do through you. And when we begin to understand that God's role for his people in this world is to be salt and light, then it means that we have the opportunity to show people a better way. So how do we do that without completely hating life? So I shared last week, if you're a person who has decided I'm going to work, I'm going to be a contributor, I'm going to be someone who helps others, I'm going to be there, then what you're going to find very quickly is there will be no lack of people allowing you to be there for them. There's no lack of people that want to be connected to a worker because maybe they can get that worker to do some of their work so they don't have to. You're going to find that it's a fast track to burnout. And for many Christians who believe that they're supposed to be all things to all people. This is where they ultimately get pulled out of the game because they get so worn out from all of the doing good and requests and the people in need that they have no longer stopped to let God change them. Not a lot of our souls to be cared for. We've not taken the opportunity to wait on the one who can allow us to be regenerated. Next week, we're going to talk about what does it look like to take a Sabbath and 
At my house, sometimes we don't take as many Sabbaths as we should. My guess is, is in your house, that's the way it happens too. The Sabbath is one of the ways God has designed within us a need to rejuvenate our souls by spending our rest with Him. You see, you have a lot to offer. Many of you are offering it in great capacity. But you have to be resupplied, refueled. And unfortunately, for those who are most driven in life, that often means waiting on the one who can make a difference. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength, mount up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. What I know and from my own experience and from the experience of many others is that many believers burn out because they've never trusted God enough to wait on Him. See, waiting requires trust. It doesn't require trust for me to decide, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to make this happen. I don't have to trust anything. I don't have to trust anybody. I just do it. But waiting, especially waiting on someone else, that requires great trust. That requires great faith. When you're not able to wait, you will work and you will burn out. You will plan and they will not work out. You will invest and you won't experience a return on all that you've invested, whether it be your resources, your finances, your time, your emotions, your hearts. And what will end up happening is is that you'll get frustrated and you'll give up. We've seen it over and over again. And I'll tell you, one of the worst groups of people that causes this in others is the church. We joke about it. That if a person signs up to volunteer for something, it's a lifetime appointment. And sometimes it is. We often find somebody willing to do the work, to empty the trash cans, to greet at the door, to care for kids. We'll find a group of people that are willing to do it, and we let them. And they've had horrible weeks, and they come in, no one to support and encourage, and they burn out, and they're done. Church is going to be horrible about that. Last week we looked at it. You can be a single sparkler and it can be fun and cute, but yet when you combine them together, you can have a massive flaming inferno that the whole world can see. Many of us burn out because we haven't stopped to wait and see what God is calling us to. We get frustrated and we get tired of being asked to help others and Finally, we just say, I'm done. I'm going to take care of me for a while. I, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people who have been highly invested in ministry and just said, you know what? I'm done. I'm just taking care of me now. Many of that, many of those people that struggle through that burnout have worked hard, but they haven't waited on the Lord. To wait on Him is to truly, fully trust God. I have, no, I have no rule of measure to find out, to go around the room and find, well, how much do you trust God? Jake, how much do you trust God? You know, ben, how much do you trust God? I don't have a measure. Aaron, you know, Aaron, she's really up there. But Ethan, man, he's really down there, you know. I've got, there's no measure for this. There's no Bible study for you to download on version. There's no reading plan that's going to make that evident. 
There's no three-step process for us to go through and counsel you through and say, you know what, you are at about at a 53%. But I believe if you make these three subtle changes, you can be at 67% within three weeks. There's, it doesn't work that way. Many things in life do, but learning how much am I trusting God is not one of them. It takes time and it takes effort and it takes a growing relationship with him. But often, burnout is the very thing that leads us to the place to recognize, I'm not real sure what the problem is, but I know there is one. The reason burnout is so insidious is because we have little energy to fight it once we reach it. Hebrews 11 talks to us about faith. It says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It would be so much easier if we could just see God's hand, wouldn't it? If Jesus was still here walking the earth, performing miracles, wouldn't it be great if when a group like ISIS begins terrorizing the world, if Jesus just walked up and waved his hand and a tsunami took him out? Or earthquake opened up and they were gone. Wouldn't that be awesome? And there's injustice in the world. Jesus walks up, says a few words, stoops and writes in the dirt, and abortion is abolished. Wouldn't it be great if that's how things work? It would be so easy to trust and believe in him. But there would also be a lot more people willing to trust in him if he just simply said, whatever you want, you can have. Whatever's important to you, I'll make it important to me. Whatever you says you want to be the desire of your heart, I'll make sure it happens. There'd be a lot more people following Jesus, except the problem is they wouldn't actually be following Jesus. They wouldn't want Jesus following them. Can we wait and trust in the one in which we can't always see his hand at work? Verse 2 says, for, by, by, excuse me, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Some of the very basics of faith. And I hope that you have come to this place. Are simply this. Do you believe that God is real and present? You believe that God is real and present. Some of you have seen things in the world that combat the belief that God is good and present. Some of you have friends that have gone through horrendous things and you question, is God good and present? Is he real? Do you believe that God's plan is good and perfect and complete? See, if I'm burned out because I'm working so hard to fulfill my goals, I do not believe his plan is good, perfect, or complete. If I did, then I would be taking my time to find out what the plan was. Can you stop and wait on the Lord? Do you believe that God initiated your rescue through his son who gave his life for you? Part of that rests on the basic belief that God is real and present, that his plan is good and perfect. And ultimately, can you surrender your own expectations to submit to the plans of God? It all comes back full circle for so many things we talk about. It's a very basic place of coming to know Christ is a place of surrender and submission. A place of humility to say, it's not about me, it's about Him. Can you surrender your own expectations to submit to the plans of God? Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. 
I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Can we be still and know? Some of us can't be still, let's be honest. Jonathan, who's in Kidmo right now in our house, can't be still. It's an impossibility. He's always moving. And Jake used to always move. He's a teenager, so he's pretty good at sitting now. All right? Something happens when we age, we become more still. <laughs> but that's not the still he's talking about. Can we be still and just rest? Can you honestly think of the last day that you spent the entire time from waking to going back to bed where it was a day of rest? Can you think of that day? Some of you, maybe you're good at this, but a lot of you are not. A day of rest. Well, I'm just going to do this one more thing. I just got to, if we can just fit this in. Well, if I don't do it now, I won't be able to do it any other time. And by denying the opportunity to rest, we often deny the opportunity to hear what God wants to say to us. It's all about surrender. Trusting requires complete surrender to God. Complete surrender to His plans. Let me ask you an uncomfortable question. Can you fully surrender to the plans of God, even if they don't fit your plans? This weekend, we've seen some uh, lots of things hitting the news right now, and some of you have been following for some time. Pastor Saeed Abednani, you saw he was released after several years in an Iranian prison for visiting Christians in homes and talking to them about Jesus, which is not illegal in Iran, yet he has been in prison there. He was released this weekend. And many have heralded it as a wonderful thing. People have been praying for him, for his family. People have just, they've given to support their family. And they have said, our prayers have worked. It worked. God was faithful. God is so good. God's plan is, oh, so perfect. He's free. And yet this weekend, we also found out about a missionary named Mike Rittering. Who lost his life in a Starbucks. Did you hear about this? Given his life. To care for orphans. In a nation that needs to know Christ. There was a bombing. Linked to Al-Qaeda. And it's a West African nation called Burkina Faso. He was killed in that bombing. Can you go, is this picture up? That's his wife and some of the kids they reach. Can we say for Pastor Saeed, God is good. His plan is perfect. Prayer works. God is wonderful. And turn around and say the same thing about a missionary who lost his life over a meaningless bombing. See, this is where trust gets hard. Because some of you will trust God if you see the plan and you like it. But what if God does not have the same plan that you want? I mean, it gets, it gets hard. What happens when your kid gets sick? What happens when someone you love gets killed? What happens when the job you depended on is all of a sudden gone and you have no way to support yourself? I mean, what happens when that is the case in your life? Can we say, God, I trust you. 
Many people walk away and say, God doesn't exist. God's not real. God's not true. Because if God were good, he wouldn't let these kinds of things happen. And yet they do. Every single day they happen. In every single place in the world, they happen. God is good. And we wait on him. Do we trust him? Can we trust him with the life of a pastor who is freed and also trust him with the life of a missionary who is killed? See, for many of us, the things that we really struggle in life when we look at what's going on on the world stage really don't matter. <laughs> I mean, the things I'm struggling with, gas is down right now, I'm scared to death, it's going to go back up, really doesn't matter. So many of the things that we're so worried about They just don't matter. I don't know about you, but I watch the presidential debates and I think, do they really know what matters in the world? Can we trust God? All right, I got to finish up. Waiting on the Lord. Let me back up. God is at work, not for our enjoyment, but for his glory and the reconciliation of people back to him. As a pastor, it is a hard message sometimes to convey. That while we have for a time gone through the church saying the gospel is about your enjoyment, the gospel is not about your enjoyment, the gospel is about many things. It is not about or the purpose for you to just enjoy life. The purpose is to be reconciled to a God through a Savior. God is at work, not so that you and I can go around saying, hey, look how awesome my life is. God is at work to show the world how awesome He is and that He has come to give them life. And that there is a place after this life that is so wonderful that we can finally be with Him. It's not about our enjoyment. But I will tell you, as you grow closer to Him, the more you're able to see God's work, the more you will enjoy being a part of God's work. As you begin to take that self-interest that so dominates so many people's lives and you begin to say, God, it's not about my self-interest, it's about your interest and the interest of other people in the world, then you begin to find joy and you begin to find wholeness and happiness and the ability to be a part of that, even if it costs you greatly. Even if it costs you income, even if it costs you time, even if it costs you hobbies, you begin to enjoy the things because you get to see God at work. And just like that date you went on, you're like, man, they're so attractive, but they're just nothing there. Versus someone that there is, you begin to realize I can spend so much of my time doing so many things and I feel like it's empty. But yet when God is there, it is full, it is whole, it is perfect, it is complete. As we grow, we grow to enjoy His work, even when at times it can be painful to us personally. So how do we do this waiting on the Lord? I'm going to give you three things, even though I told you I can't. I'm going to give them to you anyways. Three things that if you want to begin the process and you're not sure how to get started, one is simply this, wait for His instruction. Wait for His instruction. Now, some of you are highly capable people You could be given a task and it will be done in spades in no time. I mean, you are capable of doing incredible things with your skills, your your talents, with your ability to communicate, to manage, to delegate, skills with your hands, skills with your mind. I mean, some of you, I mean, I literally look at you and think, wow, I just wish I could do some of the things you can do. 
And it's going to be hard for you to wait for his instruction because you're so used to just making something happen. Wait for his instruction. Now, there's a couple of types of instruction God can give you, the kind that is specific to what's going on in your life right now, and then there's a kind of instruction that he expects us all to be aware of. He's given to us in his word. If you're wondering, God, what do you want me to do in this moment? Are you spending time finding out where he instructed us in everything else in life? Many times that will be answered. Soak up the instructions he's already given us. Second one is this, to wait for his timing when you have no idea when that will be. Wait on him. God, I'm so excited about this thing you're doing. When's it going to happen? It would be like telling your kids about Christmas, but never telling them when it was. Right? Do you trust that his timing is better than yours? What if... You spend your entire life working towards the things God has called you to, and yet you never realize them, but the person who comes after you does, but they never would have had you not spent your life on it. These are hard things we don't like to think about when it comes to faith because we live in a society of immediate gratification. What if God does not give us that right when we want it? Can you trust? Can you believe? And the third one may be the hardest of all, trusting God's plan when we don't fully understand his purpose. See, once you begin to follow him and you begin to hear his instruction, there are going to be times, many times, when you're not going to be clear about how this fits in the bigger picture. I'm a big picture kind of person. I like big picture stuff, detail stuff. There's not a whole lot of detail stuff I like to really spend a lot of time on. I like to think about the big picture. But there are many times that God hasn't called us to orchestrate the big picture. He's called us to do a detail on the bigger picture that he is painting. See, once we are familiar with his word, once we are familiar with his instructions, and we have waited and stopped, trusted, we've been still to hear what he wants to say to us in those quiet moments. then we may still work and not understand how this is going to fit. But yet God has called you to work with him in this, and there is no greater calling than that. For some of you feel that you're living lives of insignificance. The insignificance is only based on what you're allowing other people's perception of you to be. It has nothing to do with God's perception of you. There is no insignificant role in the body of Christ. If you think, I'm just not skilled, I don't talk good enough, I don't look the part, I'm not able to be the outgoing person, it doesn't matter. God didn't create you to be that. He created somebody else to be that, but they can't be you. We try so hard to be somebody else when God says, I've created you to be you and you are good. Can we trust in God's plan? We don't fully understand his purpose. Let me repeat again, you have a part to play, but you'll never be able to fulfill God's part for him. For those of you who are burned out, I want to leave you with this. You can be renewed. It doesn't have to end here. You're tired. You're frustrated. You're ready to give up. You don't have the energy to fight anymore. It was never your fight to begin with. Let God do it for you. As you wait on him and you let him be a part of all of this in your life, you can wait for him. 
His work will make all the difference, even when your work falls short. When you begin to understand that, you begin to realize that the results are not your responsibility, they're His. Last thing I want to read with you, or read to you, is Isaiah 64 4. For since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. I'm going to invite you, along with myself, to begin intentionally waiting for God. If you want to burn bright, some of you are already been thinking about, okay, I need to try harder about something. Maybe I need to blog or I need to do more social media stuff or maybe I need to get by, you know, the Lord's Gym t-shirts and wear that wherever I go. That was big when I was a teenager. You know, maybe I need to get a tattoo. Like I could tattoo Jesus' face on my face so that when they looked at me, they really could see Jesus. You know, I, that may be what I need to do or I'll change and I'll wear robes because when I walk through and wear robes, maybe I'll carry a cross everywhere I go too because I want to burn bright for him. <laughs> maybe that's not what God's calling you to. Maybe he's simply saying, just breathe. I am here. I have a plan. I want to do something through you. I am at work in your life. Every believer of Christ has the Holy Spirit active within them. I am at work in your life. And I will fulfill my purpose through you. Will you let me do that? If you're here and you're tired, God can renew you. If you're here and you feel incapable, God is capable for you. If you're here and you want to burn brightly, let the one who burns brightly shine through you. And we will see him do incredible things in our lives. Next week, we're going to close this out with maybe the hardest part of all. And that is in a world in which we are so busy that God has called you to stop at times. Stop and rest. Some of you will see magic not magic, that's not the right word, but you'll see incredible change. Supernatural, we'll call it supernatural, that's more, you know, biblical. But we'll see supernatural changes if we stop and we rest. Some of your marriages are going to improve if you'll stop and rest. Some of your kids will respond differently to you if you stop and rest. Some of your jobs will no longer be something you dread if you will stop and rest. Some of those dreams that you had when you were young and you really wanted to experience those things in life, you will begin to reignite those dreams and maybe even see them come to fruition when we stop and rest. Because God has built within you the need to rest. And He has built within His relationship with you that when you do, you will see Him in ways that you never have seen Him before. So I hope you'll come back next week. We'll talk through some practical ways, not just to implement a Sabbath, but to experience the healing that the Sabbath can bring. All right, let's pray. Father, God, I thank you for all those in this room who give so much of themselves at home, at work, at school, in their community, with their neighbors, others that they have committed their lives to, that they have committed their time to. Father, I thank you for their willingness to contribute to the lives of others. For those that are here and they're just so tired, they've been trying 
so hard for so long. Lord, I pray that you would give them rest. Help us to recognize where our work ends and your work begins so that we can trust you that you will do what only you can do. God, you are a good God with a great plan. Help us not just to trust in that plan, but to follow through it faithfully with you. We thank you for your love, your grace. We thank you for what you have done, not only in our lives, but you're continuing to do in our hearts and in the lives of those we love. And I thank you that you have called us to burn bright with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.